This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC Fortaleza Brazil, our main event. Marlon Marais taking on Rafael Asuncao, too. It is a rematch. We are back after a couple weeks off again, and we have card after card after card coming up. I am pumped up here to talk DFS, DraftKings MMA on, on Rotowire MMA. This is Fight IQ. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. Here with the analyst of Fight IQ, it is Chris Olson. Joe also goes by Sunsu. Guys, are you ready for this long stretch we have coming up? Man, it's going to be brutal, man. It's We got, what, uh, nine weeks in a row? Is that it? Not brutal. It's awesome. But talk to me again in six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Quick props to uh, to DK for coming up with, like, the, some of the sweetest tickets for for the uh, the card at, at Barclays. You know, Dillashaw, Cejudo. I mean, no, that is probably one of the better MMA uh, live experiences I had. It was all first class the entire way. So props and, to DK. And, and you were hanging out with uh, me and, and, our, and our boy Kevin, the uh, fantasy football geek. Couldn't yeah, get we, much better. Yeah, and there was a bunch of other guys that they flew in, which was kind of cool. Like, it was nice to put like some names to faces, you know, like Alessi J and JBC, JBC, JBC. You know, it was really cool to like meet some people for the first time. And we got some good, we had some nice props. We had people stop up and say that they liked the shows, and it was really cool. It was great, great experience. Uh, you know, I, I put my hand up to, to DK and said, hey, whenever you guys are doing that again, keep me in mind. Yep. Um, oh, it's Chris off. Oh, Chris, uh, Chris jumped off. He's jumping, jumping back on. He said that somebody's mic is reverberating. So I don't think it's Maybe mine. it was his. Yeah. Uh, you sound fine to me. I'm hoping Chris comes back. Otherwise, I guess me are just going to roll here because we are live. While we wait for him to come back, I will say make sure – you, uh, oh, there, he just jumped in. Chris, you all right over there? Yes. Um, if you guys uh, were hearing a lot of reverb, that was me. I'm sorry about that. But uh, it's all fixed whoops. now. I and wasn't. Right, so, no. so that ruins your chance to say something cool and witty in the end. I know. I know. I'm I blew just, it. I'm just going to jump right in to make sure you check out Rotowire, make this podcast possible. Rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial to all their premium services, articles, optimizers, uh, picks, cheat sheets, all the good stuff for – uh, daily fantasy and season long sports, all sports. Make sure and check them out. Make sure you like this video. If you're watching live on YouTube, subscribe to 
to the podcast on iTunes and this YouTube channel. And you know what? Give all of us a follow on Twitter. I'm at the DFS Sniper with one S. You'll know why that's funny if you've been on Twitter today. That's at Real Chris Olson. That's at that's at Sun Tzu. Also, want to give a couple quick shout outs. Um, all three of us are in the MMA World Cup run by um, our friend Brett Apley. You can follow everything that's going on there at, at, on Twitter at DFSMMA Champ. And basically, it's World Cup style. Everybody's in group play. Top three will advance into a bracket and um, take down some cool prizes there. A lot of great players are playing in it. Uh, aside from us, uh, I actually didn't have a good first week. So anything can happen. Make sure and follow that. Uh, uh, props to, to Brett for running that. If you're interested in season long, um, the old league, I won't even go into who ran it or what happened. It is no longer functioning. It was a season-long league that was points cumulative total. I have started another league. I'm calling it the MMA Ironman. It is a season-long league. It's going to start next week with the Melbourne card at UFC 234, running through the 2019 calendar year. $100 buy-in. DM me for details. Also see my pinned tweet at the DFS Sniper for rules. But quick version, it is a kind of season-long, obviously, GPP-type style. You're going to you score points for each event you're in. If you finish in the top 25% of the field, you score some points and more points as you move up. So missing an event or two won't kill you because 75% of the field isn't scoring any points on that week. So kind of a season-long thing. There's about 60 people signed up right now. I'd like to get that up to 100 is the goal. Um, my personal goal was to get 82, which is one more than the last year season-long league ran, and we will go from there. So thanks to everybody who has supported that, supported it. Um, Paul Shaughnessy shouted it out on the Dogger Pass podcast. Um, so thanks to those guys. And, yes, hit me up on, on Twitter, um, here on YouTube if you're, at, if you're around and you're interested. Season-long MMA is back for 2019. That was a lot of intro, guys. Thanks for bearing with us. And you know what? In all actuality, I'm just stalling. I don't want to pronounce these freaking names this week. And I really had to withhold myself from dropping an F-bomb. But I where, did. Where, where, is, where is H3 Buddha when you need him? I mean, he is, yeah. the, he is the linguist extraordinaire of uh, the MFA, MMA DFS community. H3 um, Buddha just joined Iron Man. I got, nice. we, got, we got him in. Yeah, one quick point about Iron Man is, um, and again, I, I really have to bite my tongue, but um, in terms of payouts, um, there will, if anybody, D DM me, DM Sean, if you have any concern at all about payouts and, and events that transpired um, with the last contest. Um, I know for a fact that Sean has even signed over his organ donor card, so if he meets with an... <laughs> With an untimely demise, we we will get the money from his organ sales. Um, but all, in all seriousness, th this money is it, it's much more it's much more um, it's a much tighter group of people here that are 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 looking at the money. And at any time you want to see how much money is in the pool, just ask, and Sean will send you a screenshot. Um, yep. You know, un unlike what we had in the past. So um, and you know, anybody who wants to talk about what happened in the past, feel free to DM me. Um, but let's move on to the to the fights. I will say I'll take I'll take a screenshot of the pool once everything's collected because right now I'm collecting through PayPal and Venmo. When we're Correct. done, I'll put it all together and I'll screenshot. I got I got no problem. So anyway, let's move on to these fights and Magomed Bibliotalk, ninety four hundred taking on Rogerio Bontarin. I got through that relatively unscathed. He's sixty eight hundred. This line has been moving. Let's see where it is now. Uh, Bibliotov still a minus 320 favorite, but that has come down. Bontaran 
is plus 290, which as you can hear, my cat firmly agrees with. Um, for me, Bibliotov, well, Bibliotov coming off of that knockout loss to John Moraga, where he was hyped up, people were down on Moraga, taking some time off. Bonseron, though, is, is no slouch to me at 6,800 UFC debutant, who I think has some skills, especially on the ground. Chris, how do you have this one? Yeah, um, Bonseron definitely has some skills, but I, I might say only on the ground. I, I'm not a big fan of his uh, stand-up. I think he, um, you know, he doesn't really have a good sense of range on the feet. I think he's hittable in, in his um, contender series fight. I mean, he nearly got his lights churned out trying to throw a rear uppercut. I mean, he somehow survived and also won the fight. So, you know, speaks volumes for his toughness. But uh, I'm just not I'm just not sure that, you know, we can, can trust him to um, to win a fight just because I always talk about this when you're a jujitsu guy and you don't have a reliable way of getting it to the ground. That's that's problematic for me. I mean, he's not a wrestler. He generally gets takedowns by, you know, bulldozing his opponents to the ground. And I'm not sure how, how much that's going to work at this level. Um, Bibliotov is, I, I consider him the much better striker, the much better wrestler. The pro My problem I have with him is he kind of reminds me of, of watching Muslim Salikov. I mean, he's a guy, he throws a lot of kicks, a lot of spinning attacks. A lot of them are just seem like they're mainly for show. I mean, they don't. I got very frustrated watching that Janelle Lauza fight back because it just seems like so much wasted energy and wasted movement to me. Um, when he fight, when he gets his combinations working and he gets his offense flowing, he can do well. And I like how he he transitioned from striking to grappling. But I guess this is a long-winded way of me saying that I don't know if I like anybody for this fight because I don't really expect Bibliotov to finish. He doesn't really look like a potent finisher to me, um, at least not at the highest level. So I guess what I would say is if you want to take um, a flyer on the grappler and Bonten, and go for it. But I can't see myself um, getting too many lineups in there with a 9,400 for Bibliotov. Joe, how about for you? Well, my analysis is going to be a lot more brief. Um, Succinct? Yeah. yeah there, there, there was rain there, Chris in these days. Yeah, there was actually some applause when Bibliotov got knocked out by, by John Moraga. Uh, apparently he has some sort of allegiance or – affinity for a Chechen dictator um, of, of ill repute. So everybody was sort of happy when he got he got knocked out by John Moraga, be that what it may. Um, let's talk about this relative to DraftKings at 9.4K. And I, I do, I am picking Bibliotov to win here, but at 9.4K for a fight that's likely going to go to decision, um, no thank you. I will have shares of him, but I think there's a lot more value, um, you know, lower, lower in the salary scale. Um, so I'm going to pick Bibliotov. You know, if you're doing mass entry GPPs north of 20 lineups, I would take a share or two um, at 6.8K of the other guy simply because uh, there has been some line movement, which I find curious. So at 6.8K, that does open up a world of possibilities on DK. Um, I am not endorsing him as a winner, just saying for uh, game theory purposes and variance, you might want to have a share or two if you're going to max enter, um, but uh, Bibliotov to win. Yeah, I'm also picking Bibliotov to win. The, the concern is the scoring because he's he's not going. He shouldn't want to grapple. His best path best path to victory is staying away and using his striking. And 9400, I don't know how well that's going to score. And if they go to the ground, every second he's down there is a little bit scary with a guy like um, Bonteron. But so I am picking uh, Bibliotov to win. We'll make it a sweep there, and we'll move on to Syed Nurmagomedov, 8200. 
taking on Ricardo Ramos at 8,000. Odds value alert, Ramos 8,000. He's minus 140. Uh, big line movement has continued to move. Uh, the comeback on Nurmagomedov is plus 130. He, he fought at 125 in his last fight. Absolute brutal weight cut. Did get a win down there over Justin Scoggins. Close fight. Some people thought he lost. I did score for Nurmagomedov, but an incredibly close fight. Uh, Ramos has had that highlight real knockout over Ayman, uh, Ayman Zahabi. Looked really good against Kwong Ho Kang uh -oh. last time out in that his... Um, hey, Sean. There he is. I'm back. Okay. Sorry. I was rambling there for a minute. So Saeed Nurmagomedov fought a flyweight last time out. Split decision against uh, Scoggins. Controversial fight. Some people thought he won. Some people thought he lost. I had it for him. Ramos improving. Um, his stand-up really looked good against um, Kwon, Ho, Kwon Ho Kang. Took him down a few times. Looked like like the real deal in that fight. So um, close fight. Joe, who you got? So I actually thought Scoggins won that fight. Actually, quite quite clearly. Um, be that what it may, uh, I liked Ramos before I, I even saw the, the DK salary. So the line movement is, is a benefit. Unfortunately, I do think it is going to make him very highly owned um, because of the line value and the fact that, um, you know, there are quite a number of people who have been, you know, doing these pods that have, have selected him. So I, I hate to kind of jump on the train. I would watch ownership but I am picking um, Ramos to win here. Oh, I am. Okay, I'm not muted. I thought I was muted for a second. Chris, are you good? Uh, yeah, no, I echo that sentiment. I, I always hate when there's line movement on my on my a fighter that I like because I know people follow that almost exclusively, and I know that's going to affect the ownership. But regardless, um, I, I actually I actually like Ramos a lot here. I think um, he's got he got better striking than you might see from a jujitsu guy. Uh, your typical jujitsu guy. I think he throws a little bit of power. Throws in combination. He does good body work. Um, then Saeed Nurmagomedov. I I, I, ju I just don't really see that much to like about him uh, as a striker. He's kind of stiff. Um, he tends to just um, he's, he's done this in the regionals and he did it a couple times in the Scoggins fight. Actually, tends to just flurry in with his chin up, which I don't like at all. Ramos has shown that he can counter punch. We know about Ramos, Ramos' uh, jiu-jitsu accolades. Um, Saeed is a wrestler, uh, much like the other Nuragamedov, but not nearly as much as, you know, the sort of pressure-smothering kind. He's much more of a traditional um, uh, takedown artist, and then when he gets you down, it's more pressure and passing. So he's not, he's not going to rack up points like uh, a Habib will. I don't think he throws with a lot of power. I think this is a relatively safe fight. For um, Ricardo Ramos, and um, I like him quite man. a bit. Huh? Don't jinx it like that. I know. I, well, I no, those are my famous last words. Every time I say something like that, the guy gets crushed. Well, Chris, what percentage of ownership do you think he'll get from from the casuals who think he's Khabib? Um, yeah, I know. Um, well, they've already seen him once, so unfortunately, I think that that guy has kind of flown a little bit. If it was a pay per view card, I'd, I'd be on board with you, actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, people seen him Agamed off. They're like, "Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta yeah. bet that guy," you know. So, and and well, he's he's good in the scrambles. That's 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 he's he's slippery guy. Throws flashy stuff. I'm taking Ramos too. I think he should just be better everywhere. It just makes me nervous how many pe people are picking Ricardo Ramos. He feels like the Twitter mush this week. Yep, he yeah, really I does. Mean, he could be, but you know, I I can't I can't go by that. I mean, I, I gotta just go by what I see. 
And, um, you know, I, I, I really just think, like, you echoed it, John. I think he's better everywhere. And um, uh, 8,400, I, I, don't, I don't know about a finish, although we did see Saeed get dropped twice in that sky. He's only 8,000. Huh? He's only, only 8,000. That's true. I, I was actually thinking of our next guy for 8,400. Mm. But, um, so, yeah, so I like Ramos quite a bit. He's the play. Not going to have much Saeed. I think Ramos is better everywhere. All right, let's move on to you know. Can we just skip this fight? I don't want to go go over these names. <laughs> I'm just gonna do their last names and get and get close. Uh, Fritas, mm, Fritadas, that's right. 8400 taking there. on Colaris at 7800. Uh, Colaris is the small underdog plus 110. Fritas is the favorite minus 120. I think we're up to Chris to start Chris. this one off. Two UFC newcomers, both fighting out of Jungle Fight, which is not my favorite M- Brazilian MMA promotion, but everywhere in MMA, in Brazilian MMA, you crush cans. Uh, what do you got for these two can crushers? Yeah, um, I, actually, it's funny because I was, I was thinking about Jungle Fight is probably, you know, as far as regionals go, probably one of my least favorite promotions uh, for talent, just because of what you mentioned. But um, I actually like uh, Freitas quite a bit here. I think, Ooh. I think really, I'm on the other side. That's a hot friendly. take. All right. Uh, well, he's the more expensive guy, so I don't know. Uh, but all right. So anyway, um, I just, I just think Kolaris, um, ha- ha- actually, I think he's got one major deficiency that really makes this fight good for Freitas. Kolaris, he likes to, um, you know, um, sort of bulldoze his way in with strikes and get to the double leg and, um, you know, find his jujitsu. And Freitas likes to hit um, reactive double leg takedowns. We've seen him do it a couple different times on the regional scene in a couple different fights. I think he's the the much more uh, defensively responsible uh, person here. I think um, Calaris leaves himself open to be hit a lot. And I, th- I think Freitas is actually, you know, pretty slick everywhere. He's got great jujitsu, obviously. Uh, he's got good, tradi- better traditional wrestling than Calaris, I would say, although Calaris Likes his double legs up against the fence. Um, yeah, I, I, I look at this fight, and I see a, a lot of advantages for Fritas here, and I'm going to be picking him quite comfortably. Mm, Joe, let's let you have the first crack at Chris here. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I, 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 I'm not going to real. – I'm really going to be easy on Chris because I don't – like, unknown guy. Yeah, I, you know, you've got – you've got two guys coming out of, a re, got, coming out of regional promotions. Um, the one thing I will say about Kolaris is, you know, he does train at Team Maguera, which I kind of like. Um, you know, you've got a six and zero fighter in Kolaris fighting an eleven and against an eleven and four fighter in uh, eleven and four fighter in Freitas. Um, I don't know the camp that he trains at. Uh, I, you know, it's just really hard to say. I mean, um, I think the line has it right. I mean, one twenty one ten is about as close to a pick'em as you're going to get in MMA. And I think because of that reason, um, I'm glad that Chris actually has a hot take, but because, because of that reason, I would gravitate towards the lower priced guy, but for no reason other than, you know, perceived odds value in a really, really close fight. So that's kind of why I would look in that direction. I mean, um, don't put any stock in, in this selection, but purely based on odds value and salary. Well, I'm but, take, but you got to wait. 
uh, so I'll I'll go a little harder. All right, not, like, do, I really I really can't I, I really can't give Chris too much crap because there are advantages for free tots in this fight. There are and there's two regional guys, anything could happen. We could see a double knockout and it wouldn't totally stun me. Free tots is better on the feet. For sure. But both these guys I think thrive in the grappling and I think from what I've seen, just, just grappling-wise, I trust Kolaris' grappling more. I think he's got a better sub game. I think he's the better black belt. I don't think Freitas' defensive wrestling is good. They both have good wrestling. I don't know if his defensive wrestling is good enough to stop those bull rush takedowns. And either way, I think on the feet, I think Kolaris is going to force the distance to be closed. I think Freitas' best chance to win is either to keep on the feet with 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 defensive wrestling, which he could do. I just don't think he will, but I, I can't deny it's out of the realm of possibility. Or he's able to stay away, circle off as Fritas rushes forward. Pass to Victor him. Personally, though, I see Kolaris get, getting the grappling match he wants and finding a submission somewhere along the line. So when I say let's go after Chris, I really can't. It's not yeah. a, you know a hard pick. Just the way I play this fight on my mind, I think the grappling advantage for Kolaris is enough to get him a win. And he is cheaper, so he's my preferred oh, player. By the but, way, for the millions of viewers, these two fighters did fight in different Brazilian promotions. So um, Kolaris did fight at Jungle Fight, did fight in Jungle Fight, where Fritas fought in Chuto, Brazil. So these guys were in different promotions. Um, I think they both fought at Jungle Fight at one point, didn't they? At least the last three the last fights, Kolaris uh, was in Jungle Fights. Not that it really makes that big no, a difference. It's just. They were in, in different promotions, so I thought I'd pass that on to the millions of viewers. Um, I mean, the millions appreciate it. Yeah. So, so Chris, is that, is that a better argument for Kolaris for you, at least? Can you, can I, you well, there? no, I, I see why you like Kolaris, um, but I just think, I mean, I, I really have a very clear picture in my mind about uh, Kolaris rushing in and Freitas hitting a reactive double leg and getting his jujitsu game working from there. I can read I can see that happening so clearly, you can't even believe it. All right, well, let's let's move on to, I can't believe we're going to talk about this fight. Junior Albini, 8,100. Junior, I can't defend a mother mm, Ezekiel choke Albini. Oh, don't Ugh. hate the goat. Come on, stop. No, sorry, Alexia Linick. You, you, you're terrible. Taking on Jarzinho Rosenstruik. That is, that is quite a name. He's also 8,100. This is our mid-range fight of the week. Albini is the favorite right now, minus 115. Comeback on Rosenstruck is plus 105. Personally, and look, when Albini first came into the UFC, I picked him to beat Timothy Johnson. And then and I looked pretty smart, and I looked really stupid the last two. I'm off the bandwagon. Dude does not move his feet as well as I thought he did. Not as good of a technical striker as, a, as he was in the regional scene, a victim of the Brazilian regional scene. Um, has looked terrible. Can't define. Can't defend the takedown. Rosenstruck hits really hard. Counters really well. Has a kickboxing background. Albini's path to victory is through the grappling. I don't think he's smart enough to do that if he can't stop an Ezekiel choke. Um, so I like Rosenstruck in this one, eighty-one hundred. But these are big guys. GPP fight for me. Uh, Joe, start us off. Well, I think you know. Unfortunately, this is a fight that has to, at least in some respect, be targeted because it's got the number one inside the distance prop of, of any fight on this card in terms of finishing inside the distance. Um, individually, maybe each fighter is not doesn't have a great inside the distance prop, but 
as as a the fight as a whole, I think has got the highest. I think it's minus three hundred. Uh, will will finish inside the distance. Um, this fight now, you know, you've got uh, Big Boy, which is the nickname of the fighter from Suriname. Um, Roshan Roshan Shock <laughs> Shock. Um, you know, he's a kickboxer with zero ground game. I mean, whatever film you can watch on this guy, he has he knows he knows not what to do when he hits the mat. Um, he, he doesn't know what a wizard is. He lays there. Um, he is very powerful. He looks a little bit like Charles Barkley. Um, but he's uh, he's a powerful guy. He hits hard. Um, he is a kickboxer. I am going to the well once more with Albini simply because I see Albini as having his back up against the wall. Um, I cannot imagine that, you know, the UFC is going to give this guy another fight if he loses. Um, I, I, I see him as more technical standing. Um, whatever limited ground game he does have, he should put to use um, on, on this guy. Um, he's, I think he needs to survive the onslaught for 90 seconds to two minutes. Um, I think the longer the fight goes, the advantage should go to Albini. We know at least he can complete three rounds. Um, I'm, I'm assuming his cardio is going to be better. This guy looks pretty muscular. Um, so I'm going to go to the well one more time with Albini, although um, you know this is GPP only. Anybody who uses either one of these guys in cash is crazy. This is not a good cash week in general. But anybody who uses either one of these guys in cash is nuts. But I would certainly target this fight because of the, the high likelihood of a finish. Chris. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, before I get started, uh, it needs to be said that uh, Rosen, Rosencrantz. Um, Rosenstruick. Rosenstruick. Thank you very much. <laughs> Rosencrantz and Gildenstern. Yes. Um, his pride fight, he actually got yellow carded for having grease on him at the beginning of his pride fight. Woo! him off. Um, Love it. So that'll be interesting um, if uh, if Albini does go for a takedown. But, um, look, he probably won't, but we have seen him clinch up before and, uh, and stall out. And even if he does that, I mean, that could wear on the gas tank of a guy like Rosen... What, one more time. What is it? Rosenstruick, I believe. Rosenstruick. There you go. Never again. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 main reason I'm going, and I was going back and forth on this, but the main reason I'm going back to uh, Albini here is because Rosenstruick has this really bad habit of just leaning away from strikes, and um, Albini's got pretty fast hands, and I could see him really eating a hard combination just by virtue of the fact that he has no striking defense. Um, and again, as you know, you both, you both said, if it hits the mat, the game's over. If it goes more than a round, we'll have to see what happens. I just think Albini, um, I just think uh, Rosenstruck is, is, a, is more of a liability here than Albini is, although I acknowledge that he throws really hard and um, has, has nice hands and throws in combination. They could definitely knock him out. But um, I just see a couple too many holes in this game standing and, of course, on the floor. So, yeah, I have to go back uh, once more to the well uh, myself and pick Albini here. I, I can't do it. Good. I'll probably have some in GPP because they're heavyweights, but, God, I can't pick him straight. Anyway, let's move on. Long way to go. And we, we are, we're good at talking, guys. We're good at talking fights. By the way, chat is going. Um, it's pretty fun over there. If you're not – if you're – Watching this after the fact, should jump in chat um, Fridays at 8 o'clock for Fight IQ. Max Griffin, 9,000, taking on Tiago Alves at 7,200. 
Max Griffin is the favorite in Brazil against the Brazilian legend, minus 192. Alves, the comeback is plus 177. Look, 10 years ago, close fight. Um, but I think I think Griffin's going to be too much here. Chris? Uh, yeah, I I agree with you. I see some people um, uh, liking Alves as, as the dog play here, which I could kind of see just for the experience factor. Um, but I, I think Max Griffin is just going to be way too quick and powerful. I mean, I, I, I liked Alves in that fight against Kuchenko because I thought uh, Kuchenko was going to give him enough time to get his offense working. He, he still didn't throw nearly enough for me. Um, still almost won that fight. I thought it was close. But um, I, just, I just think um, Max Griffin's going to be too quick, too powerful. Um, he throws a combination. He can wrestle a little bit um, when he gets his game going. Not that Alves is, is easy to, to be taken down, but, I mean, just another wrinkle in his game. And I, I just think Alves is, is, is nearing that end where, you know, I mean, he's just sort of not um, – not pulling the trigger as much as I want him to. He's um, sort of a dying breed that sort of, uh, you know, stand up tall Muay Thai striker. And I just think that um, Griffin is, is more dynamic on the feet. And I think he's going to get this done here. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, I, I agree with Chris. I mean, believe it or not, Alves and Griffin are only a few years apart in age. Although Alves has had such a longer career and, and, you know, it, he looks it, he wears it. Um, dare I suggest that Alves might be a victim of USADA, um, uh, where, you know, he, he's game definitely changed, um, once USADA came into play. Uh, I, the, the reach and height advantage, I think the reach advantage is at least six inches here. Um, uh, he's got a height advantage and a reach advantage, a power advantage. Um, as much as we all might like to see Alves go out, um, you know, I think this might be an opportunity for him to leave his gloves in the octagon, win or lose. I think it's worth having a few shares because the fight is in Brazil. Griffin isn't great, but I think he'll have enough here to get it done. And he has some finishing potential. So for a 9K fighter, uh, I will have some shares. I'm, I'm really not confident in anything in the upper range, but I will have a few shares of Griffin. I'm picking him to win here. All right, moving on. We have Mara Romero Barella. Somebody get Dan Hardy a way to say that. At 7,600, taking on uh, her first name is, take it Talia, right? Talia Santos at 8,600. Yes. I don't know why I struggled over that. I have a bet on Santos, so we'll cover yes. that in a second. At 8,600, at the line right now on this fight. See if I got it's exactly yeah it's a little better than when I bet it minus one sixty five for Santos, Barella the comeback is plus one fifty five. I kind of just alluded to it. I think the only advantage Barella could have is on the mat. I don't think she has a way to get it there. She's afraid of getting hit. And Santos is a really good striker. Give me Santos and on most weeks I think it'd be hard to fit her in cash eighty six hundred. But there there's just there's not a lot of safety around this week. There, there just really isn't those those big grapplers. Um, I like Santos a ton in, in all formats at minus 165. Joe, you are the WMMA whisperer, as we all know. Is my money well spent on Talia Santos? Yeah, I like Santos quite a bit here. I mean, if you look at uh, Barella's last fight, I mean, this was a fight metric special. She got credited for way more strikes than she actually landed against Chukagian. Um, by my count, she landed maybe 20 to 25 strikes. 
um, of, of 120 thrown. Um, you know, I think she landed, you know, I think they gave her three times as many as she actually. Oh my God. Yeah. I yeah. was just, I was looking at this earlier so on the UFC site and it said she yeah. landed like 26 of a hundred or something yeah, they, like that. She got credited with way more strikes than she actually, oh, than she actually hit. I mean, if she landed that many strikes, uh, Shukagin would have been touched up. Um, anyway, be that what it may, uh, both fighters are blue belts in BJJ. Um, I really liked the striking I saw in the kicks. I mean, kind of exciting that Santos, you know, her Muay Thai. I mean, yes, her record is is can crushing one on one. Um, you know, especially in Brazil. So we don't really the quality competition. You could just look their records up. I, I you know, it's bad, but I I certainly think that she she is has enough to to beat Barella. And you know, she's home. It's in Brazil. I think this is a prospect that you know the UFC will look to. Promote. They have a little bit of egg on their face from the last card with uh, with Lipinski, um, who obviously did not perform as well as they would have hoped. But um, I'm going back to the well with the Brazilian fighter this week, making her debut. Um, I am on Santos as well, and I think she gets it done quite easily. Chris, you're 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 always one for a good upset. You got one here? No, I, I was actually going to tell you to breathe easy, easy because I'm confirming that your bet is a good one. Oh, now uh, I'm nervous. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I like Santos a lot too. You guys touched on it. The, the striking is really nice. I love how she ends her combinations with kicks, um, like uh, like a Jose Aldo in there. But um, oh, I also think she's pretty good at jujitsu ju herself. I'm not sure that Barella even has a huge advantage there, even if she does have one. And um, your point is well taken, Sean, that she doesn't really have a way to get it to the mat. Um, she got it. She got Chikeg into the mat once. Um, and, Ch and Chukagian was up instantly. Yeah, up instantly, and and um, I was able to, to kick her off and, and just sort of – so if she could do that, then I, I expect a, a, a BJJ fighter to not really have that much issue. Um, Brella doesn't move her head when she strikes. It's it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's just she just sort of leaves her, her chin right where it is and throws these straight punches. She's not going to have any chance on the feet, and – unless she um, bum rushes and gets a takedown, which she tried to do multiple times before she got one in that third round against UK game, didn't work. Um, Santos has good in and out movement. I don't think she's going to be there for a takedown. That's kind of why um, Barella wasn't even shooting in the first couple of rounds because she couldn't measure the distance. I like Santos a bunch here too. So, Sean, rest easy. Your bet is safe. It's worth mentioning, though, that, that Barella did – uh, this camp and does train at American Top Team, as does sure. for this camp, Junior Albini. And um, I think nice. also in that last fight, um, Amanda Nunes was actually in her corner. I don't know what good it did, but there it was. <laughs> Not much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. Whatever. I can't. It doesn't change my opinion at all. Anyway, let's 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 move on to Marcus Perez at 7,300. Taking on Hernandez at 8,900. Fluffy. Fluffy Hernandez is the favorite. Anthony Hernandez minus 145. Comeback on Perez plus 135. Starting to get a little bit of odds values there. As everybody is picking Perez, the line is closing. Hernandez is – oh, just flew out of my head. He's the prospect of Forrest Griffin, right, guys? Who? Isn't, isn't, isn't he the guy who's, like, trained – is – Hernandez? Yeah. No, he, he, like, trains, he, with, he trains with Max Griffin. Yeah. yeah. Why is he Forrest Griffin? <laughs> Wasn't he? Did you just watch a Tom Hanks movie? I uh, might have. Yeah. 
No, no, Forrest Gump. I, I, no, I was I was thinking <laughs> of the UFC fighter Forrest Griffin. You know, Captain Harry Pants. Yeah, he's a he's a NorCal prodigy. Uh, he, he he trains with Max Griffin. All right, sorry guys, brain fart there. Anyway, um, Perez we've seen against the like of Eric Anders. Um, he lost James Bachnovic. He beat. He lost Andrew Sanchez last time out. And Hernandez making his UFC debut is a pretty good striker. Perez should have a grappling advantage, but he gets hit a lot on the feet, and he backs straight up, which I hate. So I keep going back and forth in this one. I do think it's closer than that. Then I think the line is right now, but the salary I'm getting on DraftKings I think is off. I think Perez is the value. So I'm picking Perez in terms of value, but every time I see a play out in my head, I just don't know. The way he backs up makes me really nervous, and I, I, I keep wanting to pick An uh, Anthony Hernandez, but I keep hesitating. So let's see if one of you guys has a good argument for me. Chris? Uh, yeah, I, I agree almost 100%. I think, um, you know, that's, that's – I mean, I'm, I'm actually a, a Marcus Perez fan. I, I picked him in, I think, either all of his fights or all but one. Anyway, um, I, but he does get in trouble when, um, when guys come after him because he does tend to back up straight. And eat shots. Um, I, I I would disagree slightly. I, I wouldn't say Hernandez is a good striker. I'd say he's aggressive and powerful, but um, I, that's about it. But that could be enough here. The one thing I think that Perez has going for him is that um, you know he, he didn't really use his grappling in in his last fight. But I think uh, if if you look at Hernandez's record, he's got like four um, guillotine chokes in a row, and that's because he likes to. Um, uh, wade himself into the clinch and look for it. So if he's going to wade himself into the clinch, I like Perez to be the stronger guy, even if he's not the better technical takedown artist. He might not be, but I think he, he is the stronger guy. Um, what was that? Are we okay? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay. My, um, my, my, my dinner was just being brought to me by, by my lovely and awesome wife, so sorry. Uh, about that. <laughs> it sounded like the... Uh, the bug spray truck in Eric's neighborhood no, it was, in Minnesota. It was, some, it was the wrapping <laughs> on some Chinese noodles. Okay. Oh, good. Knock yourself out with Enjoy. that. Enjoy. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if he if he wades himself in, uh, Hernandez could find one of his um, body lock takedowns. I think he's going to be the stronger guy, and I think once it gets to the mat, he's going to have a huge jujitsu edge. Um, trains with Damian Maya, if I'm not mistaken. So, and we've seen his chops in the octagon um, already. Um, so yeah, that, though, that's, uh, that's the binary way this fight goes, in my opinion, either, um, either, um, the forward pressure and power of Hernandez is too much or Hernandez gets a grappling exchange. It should be noted that I don't think Hernandez or at least not that often has been out of the first round. So if he can, if uh, Perez can get him there, it'll be interesting to see what his gas tank looks like. It's worth noting that Perez gets tired too. Although he does keep fighting when he's tired. We haven't seen what uh, Perez does when he's tired. So I'm going to flip a coin and say, like, I, I want to pick Perez so badly because I like him as a fighter. But you can, I, you've talked all around this. I just, huh? You've I know, right? All it. I'm, I'm, that, I'm, I'm a politician. This is how I work. But, um, but um, I, I really think I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I really think that the, the pressure and power might just be too much for him, as much as I hate to say it. So I'm going to pick uh, Hernandez in what should be a close fight. Joe, how about you? Yeah, if this wasn't his first fight coming off the Dana White Contender Series, um, I would be a bit more confident in Hernandez. Um, 
you know, I his you know first fight in the in the promotion, having to go to Brazil. Um, I am going to pick Hernandez, but it's not a uber confident pick. Um, I think it's definitely worthwhile to have shares on both sides of this fight, but uh, I will pick Hernandez for the win. All right, um, I'm coming. I'm coming. Okay. I'm coming. I was ready to step in. I, I was ready. Well, nobody, nobody wants that. I'm just oh, kidding. come on! I'm just kidding. I I appreciate the assist. I love but it. We, too. But we have to talk about Lavinha Souza, who fights at strawweight, and she costs ninety one hundred. Taking on Sarah Frota, who fights at featherweight. I mean, no, wait, not featherweight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, featherweight. Now, she, in all seriousness, she came in seven pounds overweight for this fight. Unprofessional, didn't even try. Um, the size is going to be the big factor here in this one. She's 7,100. The odds in this fight, those are still the favorite, minus 200. Frota and her seven pounds of tattoos, which I stole that joke from somewhere on Twitter, at plus 185. Oxo is the better fighter, but she's undersized. Um, Chris, is it really – actually, sorry, Joe, for this one. Does it go deeper than that? Yeah, I mean, look, it does concern me. Look, Sosa could fight at Adam weight. I, I would be shocked if she cuts any weight at all um, to make 115. Uh, you know, where Frodo, on the other hand, has fought, has, has fought at bantamweight. So this is kind of an interesting dynamic. Now, I, I asked this on, on the Alpha Pod that I did earlier today. I know that she's sacrificing 40% of her purse. However, I, I just don't know if there's any other stipulations on what her max weight could be on fight night. We've seen that a lot where fighters have missed weight. Um, you know, they do sacrifice some of their purse, but jurisdictions also will mandate a max weight that they could weigh at, you know, the time of the fight. Now, if that's not a stipulation, I mean, we could certainly see her coming into the ring at like 135, 140 even. Um, you know, because obviously if she's fought at bantamweight, she probably walks around higher than that. So it does concern me a little bit, although I still am of the belief that Soza's skill set is much greater. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to cause her to wear down the size the size differential. I'm still going to pick Soza. I mean, generally, we we anybody who has tried to handicap missing weight um, has not done really well. I mean, you know, either on either side, either your fighter misses weight. Um, you fade or the fighter that you're betting on, um, you know, uh, their opponent misses weight and you say, okay, well, you know, now I got to fade that way. I don't think it's really worked that great in the past. And, and I'll point out the, you know, all the money that came in on Megan Anderson when she stood next to Holly Holm and everybody said, oh my God, look how much bigger Megan Anderson is versus Holly Holm. And I mean, that clo I think that fight closed it close to pick. And we all saw what happened to Megan Anderson. So I'm going to stay fast with Souza. I really like her skill set. I think she's what the Brazilian gangster. That's her nickname. Um, you know, gangsta, gangsta. I, I like her. I'm going to go with her here. She was one of my stronger plays in that 9K um, price range. Where I am a little tentative. I still like her more than I would like, say, Bibliotov. So Souza's the pick. I think she still has the skill set to win. Chris, how about for you? Uh, yeah, I, I've been looking forward to a fade on Souza ever since she came in. Uh, couldn't do that against Chambers, of course, because she's Alex Chambers. I'm not sure if I can do it here either, but I think it's much closer. Um, the main reason that I don't like Souza is that um, she, she's very 
um, liable to get backed up and really just eat eat shots. Um, she did that uh, throughout her Invicta career. Um, and when she does come forward, uh, like in her like in the Chambers fight, all she really has is you know one looping overhand that she tries to close the distance with to get in range for a takedown. Um, the one thing that I can say about the opponent here is that I wouldn't call her a good striker, but I would call her an aggressive striker with more power than Souza has. Who, um, you're muted uh, there, Sean. Um, a, an aggressive striker with more power than Souza has that uh, throws in volume. So I like that about her. Uh, what I don't like about her is she tends to give up takedowns. She's a little too comfortable on her back. But I don't know, like in the last fight against Chambers, we 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 all picked Souza because we knew that once the once the fight got to the ground, it was an instant sub. I'm not sure if that's the case here. I think that um, uh, Ferta has enough jujitsu here that she can probably keep herself safe. I don't really see her getting subbed, quite honestly. Um, and it, if she's not going to get subbed, it's hard for me to to see how Souza wins it. Um, volume. She's, she's certainly not going to win it for ninety one hundred um, for value there. I I just think like I, I've seen Souza get get um, affected um, enough by shots and we have an aggressive opponent here i think that might be enough to take for as a dog play i i think i might be uh, i think i might be fading the 9100 i don't mind a couple shots of frota because i was i was agreeing with you she does hit hard we've seen so wobbled before but i, I just skill wise i think joe has it and she's just better should be more technical speed volume. i do see a sub by the way i'm predicting so okay sub. so there, there all right fair enough let's let's so to recap, I'm agreeing with both of you. I think Souza is the clear pick to win, but Frode is so much bigger and stronger and hits hard that I don't mind some shots of her shots. Well, for the record, I'm actually picking Freda. So well, you're crazy. Okay, Move on. <laughs> Just no, so we I got get it. I, I get it. The size, size, size advantage. Anyway, let's get to what it's becoming my dog pick of the week. Johnny Walker, 9,200, taking on Justin Ledet at 7,000. Oh. John Walker is the favorite, and he's a large favorite. Minus one ninety-two. The comeback on Ledet plus one seventy-seven. I wish I didn't see today that Ledet is a a flat <laughs> a flat earther. That really kind of bothers me. Yeah, him and Kyrie Irving, yeah. like, like more than it should. But I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, he's he's a what? A flat earther. He, he believes the Earth is flat. Oh, Jesus. Okay, yeah. I, I thought I thought it was bad enough. He was a vegetarian. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's even worse. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of got me a little rattled actually. So mostly, I just think this fight should be closer. Everyone's on the Johnny Walker bandwagon because he beat up um, what's his name on the Dana White. He, he, had, he won a Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series fight. He beat not, Frankenstein and then he beat Khalil Roundtree. Right, and he beat Khalil Roundtree. Look, guys, Khalil. I picked Khalil to beat um, what's his nuts. He's not going to win. Um, Gokan Saki. This is they just stood in trade. Walker landed an elbow in the clinch. They're both one-dimensional guys. I've seen Walker knocked out on the regional scene. He's just aggressive. He's going to come forward. And Ledet, for all his problems, he's a really good boxer. I'm not saying he's going to, you know, one-punch KO Walker, although we've seen him drop a ton. Walker's just so aggressive, and Ledet's boxing to me is so good that I can see him circling off, landing, landing a couple shots. They're big guys at 205. I've seen Walker drop before by not the biggest shots in the world and repeatedly in his career. I just 
I just like how technical a dead is in the feet. Either way, I like this fight a lot for inset for tournaments because if Walker wins, I think he's he's gonna do what he always does and come forward and be aggressive. I think it's kill or be killed. Um, I just I tend in those type of fights I tend to lean towards the underdog. And in this case, I'm getting an underdog who I think is more technical. So I'm gonna take Ledette. I'm gonna have a fair amount of him in tournaments. I think the line's a little wide. Johnny Walker's a perfectly fine GPP play. I just wouldn't go there in cash. Chris. So I can understand people not uh, trusting Walker um, for the reasons you mentioned, the quality of opponents, and we have seen him hurt before. We have seen him finish before, in fact. But I am comfortable taking as much Walker as, as possible, and here's why. Um, when you look at when you look at the guys Justin Ledette has fought, the only guy who's got uh, near the dimensions of a guy like Walker is Alexander uh, Rakic. And if you go back to that fight, I think that Johnny Walker can do a lot of the same things. I think he can trouble him with kicks. Mm -hmm. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be way stronger in the clinic. Um, you know, I, I just, I just don't know if if he's gonna have an answer for the kicking game. He didn't with Rakic. And um, as much as you want to say he's a good boxer, yeah, he is. But he's also a point fighter, and he makes it a point to tell us that he's a point fighter because when when he had Chase Sherman hurt. And had Chase Sherman saying, please knock me out, he didn't knock him out and then said, told the audience that this isn't a street fight, it's uh, prize fighting or whatever he said. So he's not, he doesn't have a killer instinct. He's not going to be in there looking for a finish. And Johnny Walker is a powerful behemoth of a man who's going to be stronger. I, I, just, I think the length is going to bother, um, I think the length is going gonna, is gonna to bother Ledette. I just, I don't think that boxing is, is enough when, I, I think that Ledette should have stayed at heavyweight. I don't see how he's going to survive with all these athletic guys that are that are at light heavy who are going to have deeper MMA games than him. And I think Johnny Walker is one of them. I, th I don't think boxing is going to be enough here, especially the rope combinations that Ledette throws. I think I think it's just going to be too easy to see coming. Uh, I, I think Walker knocks him out. I'm going to have a lot of Walker. I think you're a little early on the hype train, but we'll see. Joe, how about you got? Okay, so I'm I'm wondering if Ledette is a flat earther because it's easier to grow vegetables on level ground. Oh, Jesus. Um, you know, so uh, uh, so I, I'm actually on Ledette here. Um, you know, I'm with Sean on this one. Uh, I and Chris, I we can talk about this offline because I I think my battery might die before I make my point. But um, I I don't see I don't see a whole lot of similarities between Rackets game and Ratchets. Rakic's game and Johnny Walker's game. Um, they have an active kicking game. That's yeah, enough. I'm, talk, I'm talking about what, what, what I'm talking about the ground fighting. I, I see actually, believe it or not, Ledette, who has some subs, uh, as having an advantage um, if it went to the ground. Um, I, he's a much more technical boxer. There's a lot you of. You think Ledette is going to sub out this this tarantula tarantula no, no, legs look, over there? Look, I actually called a Ledette by sub fight at seven at plus seven hundred. So oh, no, I don't. Mark I, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to sub him out. No, I'm not going there. However, I think there's a recency bias that's affecting both of these fighters, both positive and negatively. So you've got the positive recency bias because of the freaky elbow KO of Roundtree, who, by the way, uh, I've never, what, I've, hang on, hang on. There's nothing freaky about that. that okay, whatever. I've never been, I, I think 99 out of 100 fighters could have gotten out of the way of that. 
I've never, when, uh, Mike Perry, when Mike Perry put Drake Ellenberger in yeah, conscious with yeah, I, I, I've never been a fan of, of Roundtree. Let's let's go there. Okay. I've never been a Roundtree fan. I was with, you know, Gokensaki. Yeah. Okay. Great. Perfect matchup for him. But we're not talking about Roundtree. Look, I am going to have shares of Walker, but I think at 7K for a guy who's a more technical striker who should have better striking defense, um, I'm not saying he's going to finish him, but I could easily see him outpointing him and winning a decision, especially since. If this fight goes deep, I, I believe Ledet's going to have better cardio. Um, I at seven K, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Um, I will have shares of both guys, but I will probably be higher weighted to Ledet. I just don't see how you could see him get kicked to death by Rakich to the point where he has to be the one shooting for a takedown and say that um, Ledet has more. Like I don't even know what you're saying. Like. I'm, not, I'm saying that Walker does not have the same kicking game that yeah, Ledet has. That, that, I'm sorry, that that Rakich has. I mean, guys, it's 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 going to be good enough. Trust me, it's going to we'll be see. good enough. We'll we see. will see. Let's move on to something that's going to pain me physically. Like what, what's about to happen, guys, is going to hurt if you know me. Charles Oliveira, eighty-five hundred, taking on one of the tamers. It's the big tamer, David Tamer. It's seventy-seven hundred. Line on this fight as of right now, Oliveira is minus one twenty. Tamer plus one ten. The mid range is really condensed, and this is the largest margin. Oh my God! You're taking because, all. Okay, good. Because there was, hang on, no, <laughs> you don't know what I'm gonna do. Because because there were so many fights that were in that minus one ten ish area, this range kind of ballooned, and Oliveira is eighty five hundred. But most weeks he'd be eighty two or eighty three. Take that for what it's worth. It's just a commentary. It's got nothing to do with what I was going to say. What I'm actually going to say, and it hurts me a lot. I'm picking Dubronx. I did. Yeah, I knew it. There you uh, go. go I freaking hate that I just said that. To me, David Tamer, when he scrambles back up, leaves himself open for a guy like Charles Oliveira to grab a sub. Oliveira has to close the distance, and he's he's not great about getting hurt. Right, this is another fight. I actually, this is going to go one of two ways. Either Oliveira is going to be terrified to close the distance and it's Tamer is just going to, you know, point fight him the whole, the whole way or Oliveira is going to get a hold of Tamer. And I don't think Tamer is going to get out of the grasp of Oliveira. He's got, he's shown some escapability in other fights, but we're talking like Lando Venata, Nick Lentz. Like this is a different level of submission artist in Dubronx. Usually I, you know, I pick against Dubronx all the time because he's a quitter and he is a quitter. And it won't be surprised, by the way, if that first scenario I laid out where they're fighting at range and he can't get a takedown, if he just quits in the third round, wouldn't shock me at all. But ultimately, he closed the distance once. I think he will find the submission, control the fight there. I can't believe I'm picking Dubronx. Someone please help me. Joe, start us off. Okay, so look, <laughs> um, this fight could be incredibly boring because one of the most god-awful fights I've seen was was Dracar Close against David Tamer, and I commented about this on Twitter. I mean, that was almost as painful or more painful to watch than Lewis and Ganu. I don't think I've ever seen a ref have to tell fighters to engage so often. Um, you know, so I could certainly see, um, you know, both guys trying to play to their strength here. Um, one, one in striking and the other with, you know, getting, getting a grappling exchange working and, and neither being able to, to make it happen. Um, so in which case, you, you could either be the first guy who makes a mistake 
you know, is going to capitalize on that, or it just ends in a bo a boring, low scoring type of decision fight. Um, now, one other part to that narrative is uh, Charles Oliveira is fourteen and zero in fights in Brazil. Fourteen and zero. That's pretty compelling, and he's beaten guys better than Tamer um, in Brazil. So. I, I think, and the other thing is, I think Tamer is going to be very highly owned because he does have odds value here um, at his price point. So I, I see him being very highly owned. I've seen a lot of split opinions on this fight. It's hard for me to go against the 14-0 trend in front of your home crowd when I know that you've beaten better fighters than the guy you're facing. You're coming off of a three-fight winning streak. Um, you know, Tamer has had incredibly boring fights. Um, you know, not to say that he could not clip and make Oliveira quit, which is why I think it's having, it's, it's especially with the line value, it's worth having shares of Tamer, but I am going to pick Oliveira as well here. Chris? Yeah. Uh, well, here comes another split, I guess. Um, all, all your points are pretty well taken. It's, it's just that like when you say that, uh, a Tamer pops back up against lesser competition. I mean, I, I don't know how much, how much more quickly he can do it. I mean, I think that. He's going to pop up against pretty much anybody in those spots where he does pop up. I mean, he's notoriously hard to hold down when you it's, get. It's when not so much. Sorry, it's not so much that he pops up quick. It's that when he does that against good against the way he does it against a good submission grappler, I think he's going to get his give up his back. Yep. I, that's that's my problem. Is he gets up so quick that it's a little reckless, and I just just when I was watching, he's his back is there to be taken in spots that like Nick Lentz wasn't going to do. If he does that against Oliveira. I think he's got a problem. It might, the, it might be there, but it's, but it, but I, I think the window is going to be too brief. Like it doesn't matter okay. how, how quick you are. It just, it just not it, like he, he's, he, I, I referencing Aldo twice before once was a joke, but um, that, that's almost like an Aldo get up the way he does it. Like he's, as soon as his hip hits the mat, he's back, he's back on, on, on his feet. And I like that about him. I think that um, the reason why Tamer, uh, the reason why Tamer, has had such boring fights is he doesn't care. He if you don't engage with him, he won't engage. He will just stay at his range the entire fight and um, take what you give him. I do think Oliveira is going to come forward, but I think Tamer is going to pick him off consistently. And Tamer is very good about circling off and getting back to the center of the octagon. I think he's going to do that here. I I don't think um, Oliveira is going to be able to hold him down, which is the crux of the disagreement here. And Look, I could be wrong about that. I don't think that I am. I, I think I, that I wouldn't um, mind seeing Dubronx get knocked out. That's fine. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that's why. Uh, that's why he's not giving me that hard of a time on this one. I can see that. But, um, but yeah, I, I just think that Tamer picks him off. He probably doesn't knock him out because the way Tamer fights, um, he really has to hit you with the miracle shot to knock you out um, because of uh, what I mentioned before. So I think that Tamer, even at, at his best, is. Probably only only a, a cash play, but um, I, I I just don't think that Oliveira um, I just don't think Oliveira catches him here, and so I'm going Tamer. All right, next up, Damian Maya, 8700, taking on Lyman Good at 7500. Maya's the favorite, minus 175. Come back on Good is plus 165. Brazilian legend, the grappling legend, Damian Maya back in action has. It's over a bajillion in his last three fights getting takedowns before anybody says it. Those three guys were Tyron Woodley, Colbin, Colby Covington, Amaru Usman. Lyman Good is not any of those guys. 
Look, I, I'm, I'm on Damian Maya in this fight. I have a bet on this fight. Damian Maya to win by submission is like plus 150. That's the way he's winning this fight. And his odds just to win are minus 175. So for me, I, li- I like it. I don't think um, they're not pretty takedowns, but the way he goes after them and good in the clinch, um, muscular guy, I think he'll tire, down, tire out eventually. Damian Maya has not been knocked out in – Shit, when's the last time he's only been knocked, knocked out, out once? He's yeah, only been knocked was, out once in his career. So that's the way good wins this fight. I, I don't see it happening here. So give me Damian Maya by submission. Chris. Well, I, I think I'm on Maya too, but I have to say, I don't think a knockout's the only way. I mean, we just saw him lose three in a row where he wasn't knocked out. But um I, I get what you're saying. I I, I get uh, the main point. I'm just being a kind of a prick. But um I look, I think I think um <laughs> One of the things that I like about Maya, and I think that this doesn't really get talked about a lot, is that, like, his kickboxing, I think, is pretty underrated. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not going to go out there and win a fight against a kickboxer with kickboxing, but it's good enough that he can stay in the fight long enough to try to get his takedowns and and progress to his positions where he wants it. And, you know, his entries are pretty good. He just – he just doesn't follow through. He tries to wrestle from his knees a lot, and that's that's sort of where the problem comes in. The problem that was going to come in in this fight, I think, is that um, Lyman Good's just a, a really strong guy. Uh, we saw him uh, fend off a couple takedowns from uh, Zaleski Dos Santos just by using his strength. Um, I just don't know if if we can rely on Damian Maya to hit, to hit takedowns. Um, and I think that if he doesn't, you know, he's probably going to get lit up. Uh, good is, is a good pr- aggressive pressure striker. Um, he might not knock him out, but, you know, it could be a situation that we've seen where he just can't get the takedown and, um, you know, he tries and tries and tries and, and, and Good just wins a decision. I am going to pick Maya here begrudgingly, but I'll say be careful on DK because, uh, what's he, 8,700, right? Yep. Uh, so, like, if he doesn't get out of the first – if he doesn't get it in the first round, you're probably not making value because he doesn't here's, do a whole lot else. Here's the problem on this card. How many fighters on this card have an inside-the-distance prop that is minus that is, that is minus money? You're paying juice. I, I don't know. You can tell me. Zero. Not okay. a single fighter on this card, including Johnny Walker, is minus money to win inside the distance. So he probably needs it in the, in the first round, but you could go second here. Like this might not be a terribly high scoring card. Not a lot of finishes. Maybe not, but you know, it's your point's taken though. I, I get it. Like if if he could if he could give me like maybe um if he could like give me some mat returns or something, but I can't even rely on. I have to rely on like one takedown and and the finish. And you know, it's just getting harder. I love Damian Maya, so it's hard for me to. But it's it's getting high, harder and harder to trust. And against against a better wrestler, you might say, well, that was Zaleski Dos Santos. But, I mean, to me, there's nothing to say that, you know, his strength you can't just keep him on his feet the way it did in the Dos Santos fight. Because, I mean, Maya, for all, all, his, all, his, um, all his wrestling, just hasn't ever learned to just drive through his takedowns. So it worries me. I'm going to begrudgingly pick um, uh, Maya, but I'm going to say be careful on the play and – I'm going to say don't overlook good as the dog either. Joe, who you got? Over the course of a fight, technique is way more important than strength. 
And the the last three matchups for Damian Maya were about as bad as you could possibly get uh, for a, a submission grappler um, with with not only elite wrestlers wrestlers but Division One college you know elite wrestlers. Um, Lyman Good is not that. Um, Lyman Good yes has eighty five percent takedown defense. I would be shocked if Damian Maya could not is not going to get his takedowns here against. Lyman good because I think his technique will beat whatever perceived strength advantage that Lyman good has. That's one point. The second point is that this is a fight in Brazil. I I honestly believe that after this fight, Damian Maia is going to leave his gloves in the octagon and retire. Um, That is, I'm I'm guessing I don't have any inside information to that. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, this is a fight that uh, the UFC believes Damian Maia can win in front of his home crowd. Uh, as popular a fighter as he is, um, I, I, it's worth having a few shares of Lyman Good in case Maya has deteriorated a lot quicker than maybe any of us thought, um, you know, due to the last three losses that he took. But uh, I have come around to the point where I like Maya like a lot more than when the fight was first announced. So I, I'm going for, for the narrative. Um, you know, and and for what I see as a sizable advantage in in one facet of mixed martial arts, I'm going to take uh, Damian Maya here to win by submission. All right, a right. couple things I have to jump in real quick. Um, oh, no, no one would ever call wrestling from your knees good technique. Um, that's number one. Uh, number two is, um, do you think that do you th- do you think that um, Damian Maya is a much better wrestler than Zaleski Dos Santos is? Uh, I, I think he is much better at getting takedowns. I think he'll tire out fast over three rounds defending takedowns, no matter how, what they are, than, than Woodley, Covington, or Usman, who just can defend takedowns they're all day, elite. every day. Well, okay, I, but, but, but Maya think, gets really tired, too. Remember the Covington fight? I think, yeah, I, I, think, mean, I, I think you've got to look throw those three fights out. I mean, these are elite Division well, I one guys who are all in – who are one, two, and three ranked in the division? You got okay, the top but, three rated welterweights. All right, point taken. But let's let's go back a couple fights then. Um, he couldn't he couldn't get um, what's his face? Uh, Jorge Masvidal. The guy before that was Carlos Condit, who gets taken down by everybody. Wait, so. wait, wait, wait. He took down Masvidal four times. He rode no, he, he, he rode Masvidal back the Masvidal is so much better than Lyman. Good, come on. Masvidal would clean Lyman Good's clock. I'm, I'm just, I'm just pointing out, I'm just pointing out the last sub that he got was on a guy who everybody takes down and gets what they want. On for, for, for what it's worth, he, he once took down Ryan Lafleur, who was a D1 wrestler, five times a year. And he fight. subbed, and he subbed Gunnar Nelson, who has got a, is also elite. BJ, we are, we I, are talking about a long time ago on both of those things. Yeah, but I mean, but, you, you, but I think you're looking, you're looking at the last three fights he had against elite wrestlers, and well, Lyman Good is not that. Uh, all right, all right, okay. agree, disagree. Let's move on. We got, we got two more fights here, and we're, we're at an hour. Yeah, Aldo Moicano, eighty three hundred, taking on Jose Aldo at seventy nine hundred. Maicano is the favorite, minus 135. Aldo's a dog at plus 125. New guard versus the old guard. Look, I wish this fight was five rounds, or I wish that Moicano had just a little bit more volume to take advantage of that Aldo gas tank. 
ultimately, I'm still going to side with Moicano. I think his striking is actually – and those those kicks he throws. Me and Joe are at the fight in Brooklyn against Calvin Cater. Oh, those God. those freaking kicks, man. Uh, those were just – those were a thing of beauty. I don't think Aldo will be able to use leg kicks to his advantage. I just – I think Moicano is obviously younger, fresher, more durable. I think – I think he's going to have to weather an early storm from Aldo, who always comes out hard. But after that, I think Moicano actually um, picks him apart and wears down Aldo, which is crazy to say because he's a legend. But give me Moicano in this one. Uh, Joe, how about for you? Favorite favorite selection on the slate here. Uh, cash, GPPs across the board. Um, we'll have significant exposure, probably in excess of what any and all ownership projections are. And that is uh, Moicano by finish. Um, although I'm not putting much into his, you know, finishing Jeremy Stevens, who I thought has been fighting over his skis for quite some time, a very fortunate victory against, um, Emmett, um, you know, you could say, uh, illegal, <laughs> um, but whatever, um, I like Moicano a lot here. I think 8.3 K is a gift. I would make him much higher. Um, obviously the UFC sees a lot in Moicano. He was a, a, a bad decision away from, from beating Ortega. Uh, he was the backup fighter um, for Ortega Holloway. Um, I like Moicano quite a bit. He's going to get the finish here. Um, point enough said. I will have very little exposure to Aldo. Chris, you're going you're gonna to take us around in a talking circle and, and pick Aldo here? I am. You know what? I, I, um, I've had a nasty little habit of undervaluing Moicano and overvaluing Aldo of uh, recent times. And I'm going to continue that here, I guess. I, I think, um, I don't know. Like I, I, I said that I, I liked um, Cub Swanson in that fight, which, which looks kind of silly now, but I will, I will say that um, before that stiff jab landed that knocked him down, Cub was kind of running away with that first round. What? I, <laughs> go back and watch it. Um, oh, come on, dude. I'll say. Please. Um, but I think that um, look, look. The reason I like Aldo here is I think that I have a hunch, and it's a little more than a hunch at this point. But well, two things. One is that I think that Moicano doesn't like guys who come after him, and I think Aldo's going to do that. The second, more specific point is that I don't think Moicano is going to do well if he has to go to war. I think he's got a lot of Tiago Santos in him, where if you if you throw at him in uh, in in the pocket. Does that, a lot of this to try to. Huh? You can't. You can't use that analogy right now. Did you see Why? the war Santos just had with Jimmy Manoa? Well, no. I'm just. I'm just saying the way he counter punches. Okay. The way he okay. counter punches. Just I thought you meant about being in a war. Okay. Okay. All right. But the the way he counter punches is just sort of to to throw as hard as he can and just hope that he hits you. And now Al, Aldo still slips. Still has trunk movement. Still has head movement. Um, I think his hands are. are are still plenty quick, even even if he's lost a step. I think he's still plenty powerful. And um, look, you want to talk about Moicano's leg kicks? I don't think you want to get into a leg kicking war with Aldo, even at this stage in his career. Where does he use? When does he use the leg kick? If, if you're gonna leg kick him, I promise you, he's gonna leg kick you. His Crocs were cool. That was the last time he used the leg kicks. But he was but, wearing Crocs. But but they weren't kicking him. I guarantee you, if you kick him, he's gonna remember that it's there, and he's gonna kick you. I okay. You. So he's all of a sudden gonna wake up and say, "I got a leg kick. I might as well use it." Even though there I he is. Yeah, even though I, is. even though I haven't used it since you know Obama was president. That, well, um, he he he. 
fired a couple good ones at Max Holiday, but Holloway. But regardless, um, I, 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 I look. I, I know that Moicano um, can win. I think he's a really good striker from range. He's obviously a good submission artist. I don't think we have to worry about that. Um, Aldo's takedown defense is legendary. I think that Aldo is going to draw him into a firefight, and I think Aldo is going to win it. So Aldo by finish. All right, let's let's get to the main event. It is Marlon Marais, 8,800 tick on Rafael Asuncao at 7,400. Marais is the favorite, minus 150. Asuncao, plus 140. Got some odds value on Asuncao as the line is closed a little bit. We've seen this fight before. Asuncao won. Look, before Marlon Marais' last two knockouts, these guys are very similar. They're point fighters. Fast bantamweights who understand distance and striking. I'm I'm not going to get on board the Marlon Marais knockout train. There's still a 135er. He's not TJ Dillashaw. He had that crazy knee against Sterling, uh, the head kick, in the first round against Rivera. I don't think that streak continues. Those, you know, good performances. Obviously, the over in this fight over four and a half rounds is like minus 160. I think. Um, so it should go the distance, technical fight, close. I don't think it'll be high scoring. Both these guys, unless they finish, which isn't often, don't score well. I don't think it's a good fight to stack. I'm on Joe's team of non-stacking this week. I'm assuming he's not going to stack. Um, I like Asuncao. I think he's a little bit better all around. Um, yeah, close fight. I think it should be a pick So for the odds I'm getting on Asuncao, the, the pick is Asuncao for sure. Uh, Chris, you're smirking over there, so start us off. No, I'm just reading chat. Um, you guys are characters in there, but um, I agree. Close fight. Um, the one, the one thing. I, it should be said that um, th- this is this isn't a fight. I mean, most of the time when we see rematches, it's from uh, like a few years ago. This one happened less than two years ago, so you know we should basically be seeing uh, what we saw. And I think uh, that what we're gonna see is. Just uh, Marlon Marais being a lot faster. And I think that, um, you know, literally he was like landing two or three two or three counter shots when uh, a sunset would throw uh, one. But this is I don't think this is a good uh, DK fight because I think what's going to happen and what, ha- what happened in the first fight is that both guys are going to look to counter uh, to a certain degree. And I think that's going to that's going to really um, keep the volume low. And I think both guys are tough and hard to hurt. And I think Marlon Moraes' takedown defense is good enough that um, uh, I was not going to take him down. A gun to my head, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, Moraes here just for just for the speed advantage. I, he's got enough power to hurt a Sun Tzu. Um, I But I do think it's a close fight. It's one that I'm not going to be targeting very much this week at all. Joe. Yeah, so, you know, Sean's, I'm um, sorry, Chris stole some of my thunder. I mean, not only is this, I don't see this fight as stackable. I don't, I see this fight as okay to fade in GPPs. Uh, you know, I, if you want, if you were to, to wager, how many times do you think a Sun Sao has scored over 100 points in his career once in the UFC? Now, I'm going to pick Marais to win, but I actually think the value play is on a Sun Sao because if he does win, he will likely get you 10x. Um, likely not, not, you know, 100%, but he will likely get you 10 X based on his price. Um, I see this as sort of a low scoring snooze fest. Um, you know, I, I think the USC had to give a Sun Sal, uh, a pretty much a title fight. Um, I don't know that they wanted to, um, one of the, 
one main event that I'm sort of looking like least forward to in recent memory. Um, I, I think it's perfectly okay to fade this fight in GPPs. I will have some shares. I will probably have more shares of a Sun Sal just because I think he does have a legitimate chance to win and he is a, a value play at 7.4K. Um, for that very reason, I will have less shares of Marias at 8.9K. However, if I was betting the fight, I would probably bet Marias. So I'm going to pick Marias. Um, I don't think this is a great fight for DK. I kind of agree with everybody um, in that respect. Um, but uh, the the pick to win is Marias. All right, let's do our hot takes and get the F out of here. Um, I will say that I nailed my, my hot take two weeks ago, that the winning GPP score was massive. For, yeah, it was. For yes, it was. <laughs> so tons of finishes. I got one right after being wrong the week before. I don't remember what you guys did, but... Let's, um, oh, my hot take shit the bed. I, I can't remember what it was, but I know I, it was bad. Thinking about Lipsky, I think. Yeah, yeah. That you would All get right. a finish. Yeah. All right, hot takes for this week. I am going to say, let's say, did a hot take to say that I don't want to go finishes again. Justin Ledet beats Johnny Walker. Okay, I'll go. Um, I'm going to say uh, Dubronx and Maya. Uh, it's a it's a Brazilian stack submission parlay. So I'm going to go with uh, Dubronx and Maya to get victories by submission, and I'm going to call call that out as a parlay. Um, I don't know what the odds are on Dubronx by by submission, but I think Sean, you said it was plus one fifty five. So I'm guessing that the parlay is is probably a pretty decent one. So that's my uh, that's my hot take, Chris. Well, I wasn't gonna go finish again, but I I, I kind of have to go by um, by the groans I get from you guys and the audience, and I think there's a clear winner this week, and that's um, Aldo finishing Moicano. Okay, that is that's definitely a hot take. That's and not, a hot take. From as much as I, I'm not as confident as Joe is in in Moicano, it's not to me. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's not the craziest thing you said. Yeah, and, but, yeah. and if if, uh, if uh, Chris is absent next week, it's uh, you know he might be uh, in a clinic for opioid dependency. Um, oh, you know, uh, but no, just kidding. Um, but yeah, I okay, Chris. Like more power to you. Um, let's uh, let's hope you uh, you don't get it um, because <laughs> it, it, will, it will certainly kill my my lineups um, if if Aldo finishes. I have so little Aldo right now in my lineups. I've got like a minuscule. I had to go back and add some lineups with Aldo in them because I had so much Moicano. You can um, always go back and add a few more. Uh, I don't know if I can. I just I don't see it. I really don't. Um, mm -hmm. You know that. Yeah, but I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think, uh, I think Aldo is Aldo has got boxing on his mind. He wants to be a prize fighter. Um, you know, he purposely asked for the fight to only be three rounds. I think he has got one. That's because he's got no gas tank. Well, he's got one foot out the door, and he's already said he doesn't plan on contending for the title. So if you have no title aspirations and you have a foot out the door and you're looking at another form of combat sports, um, I, I just add that to my overall narrative on Moicano. All right, guys. That's what we got for UFC Fortaleza, Brazil. Some good hot takes. Mostly some good picks in there, some good analysis. Make sure you go to rotowire.com. <laughs> you know, that was a good joke. You would have just let it slide by. Rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial. Check out all their premium content. No credit card required. Thanks to them. Remind, reminder to everybody out there, 
we should be on Sirius. Make sure and tweet Sirius. And everybody at RotoWire, let them know you enjoy the show. Click like, subscribe, subscribe on iTunes. Greatly appreciate all you guys in chat, especially. It has been fun. We will see you next week for a card. I'm really looking forward to it. Melbourne, baby. Get your Vegemite and Fosters ready. UFC 234. I got to buy some Fosters as Whitaker takes on Gaslam. Guys, it was good hanging out. I'll talk to you soon. Good luck in your contest. Later. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.